Welcome to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for the good doctor. Dr. Rashad Ritchie has the day off and Ray Vanna joins us as our special guest co-host. Always love it when Ray Vanna is in the house. Makes so much sense. You did even before law school, dear. <laughs> you, you just, you're that kind of sensible person who respects other people. And so I can't wait to hear what you have to say. We have a powerful lineup of stories today. Let's jump right in, Ray. And we begin with a doozy. Ben Diesel, movie star, mega rich, super famous, sued now for alleged sexual battery of an assistant. Former assistant Vin Diesel sued the actor on Thursday, alleging that in 2010, he pinned her against a wall inside a hotel suite and pleasured himself in front of her. Those are the details. There are more details emerging. The plaintiff, Asta Jonasson, stating that she was hired by Diesel's company, One Race, to work for the actor on location in Atlanta, where Fast Five was in production. The suit describes Jonasson as a recent film school program graduate at the time, whose job responsibilities included organizing parties, accompanying Diesel to parties, and ensuring that she was in close physical proximity to him in case photographs were taken of him with women when he attended events without his longtime girlfriend. Vanity Fair with the reporting here. The suit alleges that late one night in September 2010, Jonasson was asked to wait in Diesel's suite at the St. Regis Hotel while he entertained hostesses he had brought back from a club. Once the other women were gone, the lawsuit claims Diesel, quote, grabbed Miss Jonasson's wrist, one with each of his hands, and pulled her onto the bed. She asked him to stop, escaped his grasp, and waited by the front door of the suite for him to leave. Instead, the lawsuit says he again approached Jonasson, began to grope her breasts, and kiss her chest, despite her pleas to stop. Miss Jonasson was afraid to more forcibly refuse her supervisor, knowing that getting him out of that room was both crucial to her personal safety and job security. The suit continues, but this hope died when Vin Diesel dropped to his knees, pushed Miss Jonasson's dress up toward her waist and inappropriately touched her body, running his hands over Miss Jonasson's upper legs, including her inner thighs. He tried to pull down her underwear, and she screamed and ran toward the bathroom, the suit alleges. Jonasson alleges that Diesel pressed against the wall and forced her to touch his private parts, then began to pleasure himself. Miss Jonasson was unable to escape and closed her eyes, scared of angering Vin Diesel by rejecting him further and trying to disassociate, wishing this assault would end, the suit alleges. Hours later, according to the lawsuit, Samantha Vincent, Diesel's sister and the president of his company, called Jonasson and fired her. It was a clear to her that she was being fired because she was no longer useful. And Diesel had used her to fulfill his sexual desires and she had resisted his sexual assaults, the suit alleges. Ms. Jonasson felt like she was a piece of trash to be discarded. Ms. Jonasson felt helpless, her self-esteem demolished and she questioned her own skills and whether a successful career would require her to trade her body for advancement. Again, variety with these explosive details. 
The suit alleges that a few days before the diesel incident, Jonathan was propositioned by another supervisor at his company, One Race. According to the complaint, the supervisor summoned her to his hotel room at the St. Regis, took off his shirt, got into bed and said, come here. Appalled, Miss Jonathan immediately exited the room and the hotel, the suit states. In addition to the sexual battery allegation, the suit also states claims of gender discrimination, wrongful termination, retaliation, and negligent supervision. Jonathan filed the sexual battery lawsuit under California's Sexual Abuse and Cover-Up Accountability Act. It's a 2022 law that created a one-year window to file certain suits that would otherwise be outside of the statute of limitations. For the suit to qualify, the defendant must have engaged in an attempt to cover up at least one previous sexual assault allegation. Let's get Diesel's attorney if we can. Here's the statement issued Thursday afternoon denying these allegations. Let me be very clear, Vin Diesel categorically denies this claim in its entirety, Friedman said. This is the first he has ever heard about this more than 13 year old claim made by a purportedly nine day employee. There's clear evidence which completely refutes these outlandish allegations. Brian Friedman, Ben Diesel's attorney, again, variety with the reporting here. Brian Friedman is a powerful attorney, represents a lot of big names and um, is, is a tough cookie, okay? So Vin Diesel, uh, keeps lawyers, I'm sure, on retainer. He's uh, hired this powerful lawyer to defend him. And again, right, he's denying all of this. I wasn't there, you weren't there. Here we go again. And I guess I want to start with seeking your insight into where we should begin, where we should even weigh in as a public who was not party to this. But it, it is. Long standing now that we've had to go through this kind of thing with powerful men and young women. Right. I think that a good place to start is what she was hired to do in the first place for his company, which was attend parties in case he's photographed with women that weren't his longtime girlfriend, which heavily implies they wanted to be able to point to a woman and say, this is simply an employee. He's not cheating on his girlfriend, which is a bizarre reason to hire somebody in the first place, sort of, you know, pointing in the direction of her job being sexualized from the start. And this is, as you mentioned, a young woman fresh out of film school who's looking for an opportunity in this industry. And she believes she found one only for her to you know, allegedly be the victim of this very brutal sexual assault at the hands of a man significantly more powerful than her. I would like to point out that these types of laws um, that give victims of sexual harassment, sexual assault, the ability to sue outside of the statute of limitations are so important. And we saw the same thing out of New York. They allowed people outside of the statute of limitations to sue for a year. And we saw a lot of lawsuits against powerful men. And a lot of the victims in those cases were very young at the time that the alleged assaults occurred. And it's important to note that especially they're disproportionately uh, less powerful than the people who you know allegedly perpetrated the assaults against them. 
And it might take them quite a bit of time to come to terms with what happened to them, to recognize that it was sexual assault, to move past the stage of blaming yourself for being a victim, to even feel like you're in a good position to acknowledge what happened to you and to take legal recourse. So I think that these types of laws are really uh, valuable and I'd like to see them you know, expanded all across this country so that we get more uh, victims the ability to seek justice, uh, especially when it takes so, some victims a long time to process that. And this is a, a this, she was at the time a very young girl who lost a job after only nine days. And I'll just say, you know, from my personal perspective, Vin Diesel is someone who has a history of while being interviewed by female journalists and female reporters, being overly sexual in those interviews, in sexualizing the people interviewing him. That's not to say that that's necessarily evidence that the allegations are true, but he's been able to get away with that behavior on camera for years when these should be, you know, professional interviews and he should behave, you know, conduct himself in a professional manner. Uh, I, I, I just think that goes to show how much this industry protects men who, you know, are inappropriate yeah. towards women. Yeah, and it might speak to society as well. Uh, devil's advocate, the diesel, others in Hollywood would say, well, I'm, I'm a sex symbol, I'm an action star, I'm an international movie star. Okay, I can't walk down the street. There's certain things that are protocol for me that an average Joe perhaps wouldn't understand. I'm so tired though, Ray, of people, mostly men, but also women pointing to, well, why didn't you come forward? How ignorant are you? And, and this is 2023, we're almost 2024, right? We, how ignorant are you? People want to be able to realize their dreams, to work, support themselves. And they sometimes just say, cost benefit, okay? No one's gonna believe me, I'm gonna get called names. I'm gonna be first and foremost, a gold digger, probably a slut. That's what we do to people, it's disgusting. So if you don't get it, I suggest you pick up, I don't know, a psychology book, read some old court cases, something. Or talk to somebody close to you. And I guarantee that one of those women will tell you it happened to me. Mm-hmm. I remember being a young person and someone who was sued and paid out their company at the time, yet another record settlement. And he would summon me to his office. He was a very blowhard man, okay? Prime time is when he came on. And I didn't ask you to put your tongue down my throat. I was fresh out of grad school, okay? Didn't ask you for any of that. We'll do it live, okay? I didn't ask you for any of that. And I didn't come forward, okay? And perhaps it's unfair all these years later to allude to it, but it's my truth and I'm entitled to my story too. This woman's entitled to her story. I don't know if it's true. Let me ask you this. We've heard this so many times. <clears throat> there are regulations, there are strikes, there are unions in Hollywood. Put your legal cap on and tell me, is it time for assistance and these supportive staff members, not just on set, you know, these superstars and even their less known or less successful counterparts have these assistants. Is it time for there to be protections for these young people who often want the limelight and they want to get there? There's a lot of stars who used to be assistants. What can be done here? 
I think that's an excellent question because theoretically, right, we have laws in place that are supposed to protect individuals in this industry from sexual harassment, but they don't necessarily work. And we see the same, uh, a similar power dynamic in uh, workplaces outside of Hollywood, outside of the film industry, or you know, even uh, cable news industries where there are individuals with disproportionate amount of power and those individuals abuse that power, uh, sexually harass, sexually abuse employees that are under them and leave those employees feeling that they have uh, little legal recourse or legal uh, little workplace recourse against those claims. But I think it's even amplified in Hollywood because as you mentioned, there is a dynamic where a lot of, it's a very public facing industry. A lot of these people want to create a name for themselves in this industry. You have to work your way up in that manner. Um, and so if you are the victim of these crimes, there's further incentive for you to stay quiet than there already is. Because it, just to go back to the point you were making, so many people say, well, why did they wait all this time? Oh, they're just coming to collect a check. When in reality, women who have proven in a court of law that they were the victims of sexual harassment, workplace sexual harassment, workplace sexual assault, are still demonized. No matter how much evidence there is, no matter how much proof there is that they were the victims, yeah. they are still demonized. Mm -hmm. And this woman very bravely has, has you know, named herself, put uh, some focus on herself now, and she's going to be the victim of retaliation because Vin Diesel is a very popular actor. Uh, with a lot of fans, but I think that you make an excellent point that there needs to be increased focus. And you know, with the Me Too movement, there was a lot of people who thought this is the moment, right? This yeah. is the time where we're going to finally conquer this issue, and they haven't done it. You know, this is an example of something that happened years before the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. But people are still being the victims of sexual assault in Hollywood. We know that for a fact. We know that that's still happening. So you know, it is time for you know the unions to step up and and to start regulating themselves in a more meaningful way to to try to contend more with the issues within their industry to try to. Uh, highlight the accomplishments of women, uh, promote them for their accomplishments. And uh, there's a lot to be done. It's an arduous yeah. task. I don't have a, you know, uh, I wish I did. I wish I had a solution just yeah. to offer, but you know, it's, it's a work in progress. And as long as it's important that we continue to cover these stories, to highlight these stories, and then the, uh, the disproportionate uh, blame that these victims face mm. just for coming forward and telling their stories. Yeah. in many, in many ways, it feels like this is the dirty American way, okay? The way women are treated, discarded. She was already retaliated against if her story is true. I hate even phrasing it that way. This is her truth. She attested to it in a legal document and has to be played out, investigated. Um, but we're hearing a lot of it. And I don't know if this is one more case of a woman abused. What we heard, if true, is abuse. How about that? It is. So we'll keep following the story and um, we'll see where we end up on this one. And if there'll be consequences for either party, the movie star or the former assistant. Kiki Palmer, another headline. Her ex boyfriend alleges he was the abuser. Okay, so this comes weeks, I don't know, months at this point after Kiki stepped forward. He says it's her, not him. According to court documents obtained by page six, Kiki Palmer's ex, Darius Jackson, filed to get a restraining order against 
the Nope star, with whom he shares nine-month-old son, Leotis, over allegations she was verbally and physically abusive toward him during their two-year relationship. And I can't wait to hear what you say about the timing on this one, Ray, because when I think of a restraining order, well, let's pause and get into it now. When I think of a restraining order, Rivana, I think of imminent danger. Uh, but perhaps you will you will educate me on um, the law and and when it becomes necessary and who can get granted what after the fact. Yeah, you're exactly right. It does require proof of imminent danger, and you know temporary restraining orders are issued quickly without the same level of uh, the same levels that are required for other rulings in court because you have to show that I am in immediate danger. And then in cases of domestic violence, you know, they you have to show that there's been a, you know, documented pattern of abuse that you you for your own safety, you need this ruling to happen quickly. And then there'll be hearings on it later where more evidence can be presented uh, and you can get more into the arguments on the merits. But it's a you know an issue where a judge will look over and determine then in there, if there is a validity in their eyes to granting this temporary restraining order. And in the case of Kiki Palmer, that is what happened. The judge examined um, the petition and granted it um, on the basis yeah. of what she presented. And we saw stills, remember? Mm -hmm. uh, she had security cameras in her home when purportedly Darius Jackson came in and got aggressive, was physically aggressive with this superstar. Um, and so based on what you're saying, I take it that maybe two and a half years ago was not imminent danger, but we'll go through some of what he's alleging during one incident, which allegedly took place in August 2021. That's a month after they started dating. Jackson, age 29, claimed that an agitated and aggressive Palmer, age 30, punched him in the face at a birthday party. He claimed in the docs that her friend, Lenoria Addison tried to stop the former Nickelodeon star from allegedly hitting Jackson. Jackson then attached screenshots of alleged text messages from Palmer where she apologizes for hitting him. I'm sorry for hitting you, the message read, page six with the reporting. In another incident from October 2021, Jackson claimed that Palmer violently gripped his arm, demanded he stay with her after he tried to go to a nearby restaurant to watch a football game. We exchanged a text about this incident and I sent her a photo of the mark she left on my arm that night. He stated in the docs along with an image of the marks on his arm and alleged text from Palmer in which she said, we're done and called him childish. March 2023, this year, former fitness instructor claimed that the mother of his child had been drinking alcohol and blamed him when the drain was not working properly in the bathroom. Jackson claimed the Hustlers actress called him a quote, bitch, a punk, a, a loser. I tried to de-escalate the situation and she became more enraged. I left the house to avoid further conflict that night. She sent me several emails, he claimed in the docs, attaching copies of the alleged emails from Palmer as evidence, page six again. Jackson stated he and Palmer, who began dating in July 2021, <clears throat> excuse me, officially ended things in early October 2023. 
After the split, he claimed that he went over to Palmer's home to pick up their son. However, Leotis was not there when he arrived. I went upstairs to ask Palmer where he was, Jackson claimed in the docks. She was on the phone with her mother on speaker and refused to answer where Leotis was. Her mother immediately directed threats and profanities at me. I recorded the conversation because I could sense that Palmer was becoming verbally and physically abusive. Jackson also included a transcript from the recording as evidence in which Kiki's mom, Sharon Palmer, referred to Jackson as a quote punk and alleged that he and his family had mental problems. Jackson's filing comes more than a month after Palmer was granted a temporary restraining order against Jackson after she claimed that he physically abused her. Under the order, Jackson is required to remain at least 100 yards away from both Palmer and Leotis, whom they welcomed in February 2023. In her November 9th filing, Palmer included screenshots of home security footage showing many instances of Jackson's physical abuse, like this screenshot showing Jackson allegedly choking and body slamming Palmer in her home, February 13th, 2022. And this screenshot of Jackson allegedly grabbing at Palmer's neck and face at her home on November 5th, 2023. Throwing her over a couch, Jackson has denied the allegations of domestic violence. Last week on her Instagram, Palmer posted a short video with a caption overlay quote, when reality TV makes everyone believe all celebrities lives are just one big marketing strategy and scheme, but my life is truly unraveling at the seams and I just wear trauma like a Dolce Gabbana coat because Sharon didn't raise no B. She's going through it. CTA for anyone experiencing domestic violence, if you or someone you know, so many people out there are experiencing domestic violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline, the number 1-800-799-7233. You can get confidential support, you can Google that. And that number will come up, you can call it 24-7. Ivana, this is messy. Mm -hmm. And um, as a woman, I want to disclose I have bias here, okay? Because I know what this kind of relationship looks like, like so many women do. Mm -hmm. I hate to make it about me, but I'm just telling you the lens at, at which I'm looking through this. She outed him. She said, I'm protecting our child. By the way, if we're broken up and it's not amicable, which I think that's something both sides can agree on. It's not amicable. I don't know why you're walking upstairs in my house. I can understand wanting to know where your son is. If his version in that instance is true, why are you walking into my house acting like you own the joint? We're not together and we need some boundaries. But this tit for tat it felt like to me he was attempting to embarrass her for perhaps being abusive at worst or likely being human involved in a traumatic relationship from the start. Absolutely. And also I'll preface what I'm about to say with there are men who are the victims of domestic violence. It is horrible when it happens to anybody. That being said, women are disproportionately likely to be the victims of domestic violence at the hands of men. And Kiki Palmer has provided photographic evidence of the domestic violence she suffered at the hands of Darius. In, in those photographs we showed you and evidence she provided to the court, 
she provided to the public as well because he's been attempting to smear her name in the in media while she had, uh, attempted to keep this quiet uh from the begin from the very beginning um this is a very common tactic because in a lot of situations of domestic violence there will be points where the uh abused the victim will lash out at their abuser and attorneys that represent abusers will latch on to those moments to try to change the narrative that the abuser, their client was actually the victim. It's a very common tactic used by abusers, not just interpersonally to reframe the issues, not just within the abusive relationship, but in court. And time and time again, we see the victims of domestic violence responding to the uh, abuse they've suffered, being the ones to get arrested, being the ones to get charged. Now, uh, Kiki Palmer, the celebrity, has a large fan base and the ability to uh, well articulate her side of the story. But that being said, she's a woman. And on top of that, she's a black woman. And there is rampant misogynoir in our society and people mm. who will immediately want to blame her for the abuse she suffered and believe the man. We saw the same thing with the Megan the Stallion being shot by Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez never had a fan in the world until he shot Megan the Stallion. And then all of a sudden, all these losers came out of the woodwork to defend wow. him. And they're still defending him, despite the fact that he was found guilty in a court of law. So I won't, I wouldn't be surprised if we see people coming out of the woodwork to side with Darius in the situation, even though we have, and as we showed on the show, the photographic evidence of him choking her very violently. And I'll just add that some of the things he added into his restraining order request, her calling him a bitch or a punk ass are not grounds for a restraining order. And as you mentioned, a lot of the evidence that he was, you know, a lot of the arguments he was making were things that occurred a long time ago. It didn't necessarily seem like uh, as Kiki Palmer established a pattern of, of extreme violence in the relationship, not to and you know, and, and again, I'm not, I wasn't in the house. I don't know exactly what happened. I'm just trying to, you know, add the context that this is a very common tactic that abusers use to try to deflect from their actions. Boy, you said a lot of powerful things. And by the way, he doesn't mention his role in any of these years old incidents, does he? He doesn't say anything about it. He's trying to end her. He's trying to destroy her. And it is disgusting. It, it's this narcissistic thing where I was invited into your life and limelight. And I suspect um, there's psychological abuse going on in this relationship. You can decide the giver and receiver of it. And it clouds judgment. And it makes people forget who they are, what they stand for, what they worked for. Perhaps Kiki may have suffered some of that. And maybe got a lot back when she gave birth to this beautiful little boy and said, I should be able to do it just for me. But now I've got this life to protect and love and cherish, and I'm not going to go through it anymore. The thing about a narcissist is they don't want to ever leave that supply. And if he must go forcefully, the judge or finally the survivor says, you're out of here. They're 
damn, she's going to leave you broken or try. We weren't there, but Ravana, you made some excellent points. And I can't wait to hear uh, what so many of you watching have to say. We'll get into some viewer comments. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. This is Indisputable. Ravana is our special guest co-host today. Much more to come. Welcome back to Indisputable. Dr. Richie has the day off. Ravana is our special guest co-host today. I'm Sharon Reed in for the good doctor. And many of you, just like that, weighing in on, well, our, our first couple of stories. Let's get the TYT member comments. Biden flavor corn pop. Sharon Reed, girl, hello. And thank you for helping Dr. Richie on Indisputable. Well, with Ray's, Ray's help, we're getting through it. Um, these are some juicy stories that, that are making us think, weighing on us, if you will, uh, flavor corn pop. Vin Diesel sued for alleged sexual battery of the assistant. Next TYT reporter says, having empathy, caring about how she feels, not being a misogynist. It helps to have those qualities, but these men will never believe they are the problem. Bingo. Next TYT reporter, are you a psychologist? Have you studied or read a lot? Because I say you're right on. Uh, Biden flavor corn pop again, weighing in on the story here in Japan. They now use the term power harassment to mean any type of harassment or assault by man or woman of authority against a staffer or teacher coach against a student. I like the term power harassment. I mean, I think by definition harassment, but there's some people who aren't getting it. So if we put that before the word harassment, Maybe you will, okay? Uh, YouTube, more on Vin Diesel and uh, the lawsuit from the former assistant. Cyber Gothica says, silence hides the problem. Speaking up exposes the truth. Bet Nor says, nobody has ever asked for it. We didn't ask you to invade us in this way. And that's the thing. These stars think because people, as for their autograph, it, it feels like I'm not a star, so I'm speculating, okay? But they feel like because people like them and want their autographs and say, oh, that everybody wants them. We don't want you, okay? It's like in your movie, buying that expensive popcorn and pop doesn't mean we're asking for this. I think that's the point. Uh, be aware, be on the lookout. <laughs> We always have to be because they're not going anywhere, at least not now. We can't eradicate this behavior. They're here to stay, perhaps. No cure has been found. I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. I'm not. Right. I ain't touching you, girl. What I look like touching you? You white. What the I look like mm-hmm. I'm black. You're a great mom. Yeah, you are too. Mm-hmm. You, you want you, me to put her down? Yeah, put me down. Put, put me down. <laughs> tell tell him. Tell tell her. You you, you tell me down. Look at her teeth. <laughs> she do good coke. Mm-hmm. She do good drugs. Yeah. What you need? Obviously, you need a ball or something? Do you talk a lot? Do you actually know how to fight? Or you I do. Talk? You want you want to fight? I'm right here. I'm waiting. I'm for right you. here let's too. Go. All right, let's go. Let's uh-huh. go. Let's go. Touch right, me. Put right. your hands on me. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Y'all. You got exactly what. You was looking for for nothing. And do you see any dent in this lady door? Twenty-two people. Nah, I don't see no. Where? Sir, you okay? Karen, she's a Karen. She's not a Karen. She's a Karen. Go, go, go. She's a Karen that goes. 
crazy. Something wrong with her. Something wrong with her ass. She's crazy. Take it, take care of it. Where's y'all car at? Right here. Right here. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with her <laughs> car. All this could have been prevented for what? Susan's purse. She took him off to fight me. Why are mine still on? Now she's the victim. Now she's the victim. You smacked your phone out your her hand though. Now you're the victim. Now you're the victim after you knocked my phone out of my hand. It's the last sentence for me. Okay. Are you the aggressor? Pick what you want to be. Okay, I we couldn't tell much about the physical altercation. We don't like violence. But it looked like someone was itching for it. We saw the aftermath. Hair now in an extraordinarily high bun. And she got herself together. Why? Why are you the victim? Just because you asked for something, you received it, and now you're crying about it. The, the mentality here, that I can do whatever I want, Rivana. I'm beyond reproach. I can say whatever I want, insulting things, get in someone's personal space. I can almost smell her breath. That's how close they were, okay? Karen kept inching forward. And you know that thing they do with their shoulders? Like, come on, what do you want to do? Come on, come on, come on. And then she got it. Mm -hmm. And the camera went a little <laughs> all over the place. The high bun emerged and now she's the victim. It is, I think this really follows the principle and I'll do the FCC safe version of it, but mess around and find <laughs> out. That's mess right. around and find out. I mean, first, apparently, yeah. you know, from what I could surmise from the video, the Karen is accusing them of, of scratching her car, but you know, they show the car. I didn't see any scratches in that video. Um, but then she's in their faces saying, let's fight. Do you even know how to yeah. fight? I know how to fight. Let's fight. And then when she got mm -hmm. her ass beat, suddenly she's regretting the situation that she started and instigated and mm -hmm. the uh, end result of the ass whooping that ensued. Yeah. And uh, then you immediately have to become the victim, mm -hmm. especially, you know, white Karens who are harassing <laughs> black people. She recognizes what she she's doing. She knows that if the, sh the police show up, that she'll yeah. be able to paint herself as the sympathetic mm -hmm. party in this scenario, that she'll be able to uh, to make it look like she was she's just this innocent victim, mm -hmm. that she was, uh, you know, they, they attacked her car and then they, they beat her up. Uh, unfortunately for her, the instance was recorded on camera and mm -hmm. everyone can see her. As you said, you know, breathing her hot ass breath all over these yeah. people and asking <laughs> for a fight. It's just not you. She's an instigator. And, yeah. you know, she saw the results of what she instigated. Yeah. And I, I saw a couple more things. You know, first of all, there was the bystander in the background there, apparently at a, a, a big box store warehouse. I made out a word. I saw a man on the sidewalk looking like, oh, this is about to get good. The other thing is the the tatted up arm, apparently a male who was with this Karen, uh, made a futile attempt, really. He, didn't, he knew she was going to get beat up. And we know she couldn't fight because if you're a real fighter, the bun would have already been established. No one goes into an altercation, a physical altercation with hair everywhere. We don't go with the Mariah Carey, you slick it back. She didn't. And I really feel like she's done this before based on what we see in this one video. She's done it before. And the tatted up man 
probably was smiling on the inside, like, I'll pretend, you know, hold her back. We saw the arm a little bit, but she about to get what's coming to her. That's just, I have no evidence of this. It's just that I kind of know the type. That's just speculation on my part. Trump fans melting down over Christmas movie ad. I wonder what their issue is with this. Well, I'll tell you. An automatic pop-up ad that showed up in Donald Trump's Truth social feed set off a firestorm of criticism from fans of his, many of who raged that a black actor in the ad was wearing a Santa hat. The ad, which is randomly generated and feeds on the financially troubled social media platform features actors, Lee Allen Baker with a halo above her and Mark Christopher Lawrence in a red crew neck sweater wearing the Santa hat, which appears to have led the MAGA fans into believing, oh no, you didn't. He is black Santa? That's against the law, isn't it? Here are some of the unhinged comments through social follower. Galita was the first out of the gate to proclaim Kelly like, sorry, but Santa is not black. Raw story <laughs> with the details here. Mitch Ratfan, whose bio states conservative Republican waging war against the deep state, the demon rats, Satanist, Satanist, globalist, and the NWO, Ultra MAGA. Then chimed in with, how about MLK Jr. being played by a white woman? Aren't you clever? Was that funny? Because I didn't hear anyone giggle. It just fell flat. Forget racism and you know everything else you're projecting. It just, it's just not funny, okay? Although the movie Bringing Back Christmas is not a Disney film, Dig 22 contributed. Disney can go F themselves with that social engineering BS. Why are you mentioning Disney? Do facts matter at all? Can you just do like a tiny bit of homework? Just a little bit. You don't even have to do that much. You can be in your basement with a iPhone 6. You don't need the, what is, what are we up to, 15 now? The team will tell me. Is it 15 or 16? I don't know. But all you need is an iPhone 6 to Google something and determine that Disney has nothing to do with this. Here we go, though. Here we go. My great America, who claims to be just an old man who won't compromise his freedom, conservative and total Trump follower. No time for libtards, happily married 47 years. Also seemed to believe the film is from Disney and explain, first and foremost, I'm white, but I don't consider myself racist. <laughs> just, I'll get to the rest of it, but yeah, we do need to drink that and let it marinate, folks. However, Santa is not. And never has been a black man. Some things need to be left alone and unchanged. This is BS. Exactly why I have nothing to do with anything that involves Disney. If I've offended people of color, then so be it. This opinion is not meant to do that. <laughs> this guy's all over the place. Too much eggnog? I don't know. Some things need to be left in their original form. That poster seems to share the same opinion of this woman. Watch. You know, and by the way, for all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white, but this person is just arguing that that maybe we should we should also have a black Santa. Just because it makes you feel uncomfortable doesn't mean it has to change. You know, I mean, yeah. Jesus was a white man too, but
And didn't that sound ignorant the second go around? Okay, it sounded ignorant when we first heard it. It sounded pathetic and bobbleheadish, if you will. Is that a word? Sound like a bobblehead, just spewing out nonsense. Well, sound like me. So, what is the movie really about? You might be asking. According to the IMDb description, Daniel, Mark Christopher Lawrence's character, is fired right before his son's expensive surgery. An angel, Lee Allen Baker's character, takes him on a journey back in time to witness the trials of Joseph and Mary before the very first Christmas, reminding him. How God's love can carry him through anything. Okay. If this is what you're into, watch it. Okay. I'm not going to be watching that. I'll watch something different, but it's, there's nothing wrong, I guess. This is one of those things. There's the same movie, they just kind of churn it out and do a slight plot twist, but it's the same movie. Okay. And they've been playing it out for about, wow, 70 years, maybe. Playing out for 70 years. Um, you want to moonwalk backwards through this one, Ray, and start with Megan Kelly, who is the expert on Santa and Jesus and wanting us all to see it her way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I hate to break it to Me- Megan Kelly as well as all the other outraged conservatives, but Santa is fictional. He's, uh, I don't oh. know if anyone had told them this yet in their lives. Uh, he's not. Uh, any race in particular, and he could be any race because he's not real. He is a fictitious character. And also, I want to, you know, again, maybe break her heart a second time by letting her know that Jesus was Palestinian. He wasn't mm. Eastern or, you know, <laughs> Western European white. He's, he wasn't from England. He was from Bethlehem. So he wouldn't look like you or I, Megan Kelly. He would look Middle Eastern. Um, mm. I had looked uh, just for the story. I had looked up this movie and I saw that Lee Allen Baker plays the main female character. And it's so funny to me that they're outraged. One about a movie that is the mission of it is to do what conservatives have been fighting for in the war on the war and on the war on the war on Christmas for decades now, uh, which is to put Christ back in Christmas. This is a film that tries to center Jesus. Uh, and Lee Allen Baker is a right-wing lunatic of an actress. Yeah. She is explicitly a right-wing COVID-denying, election-denying individual. Um, and the main male character does not play Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. There is no Santa in this movie that is about Jesus. <laughs> He's just a black man, and they <laughs> saw a black man, and they were so livid that they had to write paragraph after paragraph saying, I'm not racist, but yeah. I saw a black man on this advertisement and it made me very angry. <laughs> yeah. I am worried about you, Rivana. Number one, you just bring in facts and they're not interested in facts. Number two, when you mention Palestinian and Bethlehem, okay, I feel that they may come for you. Yeah. I'll be here to back you up uh, because we lead with the truth, okay? Just the truth. Uh, these are the same people, right, Ray, who if I were to go on Truth Social, I won't. I won't. But if I did and I wrote Mary Xmas, I'd, there'd be a mark on me too, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. I don't know what to do about these people who proclaim things like, I don't consider myself racist. I really don't care what you consider yourself. I can give you the definition, partner, and then a mirror. 
and we could just go with that, okay? Just, I don't understand why people can't just celebrate and listen to Mariah Carey's song. Exactly. Can't we just listen to Mariah Carey's song? It's that time of year. <laughs> and just leave us alone. If I want to have a black fictional character playing Santa in my house, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because in this fictional story, Santa's black. Get over it. Okay. Somebody else's could be a different thing. Okay. And there's no Mrs. Claus this year around here. Okay, just my black Santa. I'll give you the last word. Yeah, I mean, just how to respond to these people is to ridicule them because these are unserious people who aren't interested in the truth. They just want to be angry and they want to be racist, but they don't want to be called racist because that is the worst thing you can do to a racist is call them out on their BS. I like the word unserious. Okay, rolls off the tongue. I'll use that for the next couple of weeks or so. It's just kind of hits a nail on the head. This is indisputable. Dr. Richie has the day off. Ravana and Sharon Reed filling the chair today. We're right back. There's something brewing out of New York, New York City Council voting to ban solitary confinement in jails. No more, they say. Per the New York Times, with the reporting on Wednesday, New York City banned most uses of solitary confinement in city jails, setting the stage for a showdown between city council leaders. And Mayor Eric Adams, who opposes the ban and has vowed to veto the measure. Now the mayor of New York City, a former cop. Council vote 39 to 7, framed by supporters as a pivotal moment and a national push to make jails more humane. But the bill also highlighted a broader discussion about whether solitary confinement is torture or a legitimate form of punishment for detainees who grossly violate codes of conduct. New York Times again with the details. Officials at the United Nations have called the practice torture, and a large body of research links it to increased risk for worsened mental illness, self-harm, and suicide. There are also racial disparities in its use, imagine that. Black and Latino people are more likely to be put in solitary confinement. But jail officials in New York and Mr. Adams, a former police captain, say, Past abuses of solitary confinement where detainees were held in isolation for long periods have ended. We're supposed to take your word for it? Mm. Okay. City jail officials said at a council hearing last year that 117 people were being held separately out of roughly 6,000 detainees. Though advocates say that the number of people held in isolation is higher. Jail officials maintain that separating violent detainees temporarily is the only way to keep everyone safe. Mr. Adams has argued that the ban would make jails less safe. This assault on public safety is just wrong, Mr. Adams said on Wednesday evening in a radio interview on WABC after the vote. There is a philosophical difference in this city, and the numerical minority is controlling the narrative. The mayor added that most New Yorkers supported the police and correction officers, but that the far left did not support them and had advocates writing legislation. Solitary confinement, also known as punitive segregation, refers to the centuries old practice of holding a detainee alone in a cell for most of the day. The bill would ban the practice beyond a four hour de-escalation period during an emergency and would require that all detainees spend at least 14 hours outside of their cells each day. The bill's supporters have vowed to override the mayor's expected veto. 
The measure had 38 sponsors and 51 member city council and support from key allies, including Dr. Youssef Salam, new council member who will represent Harlem starting in January. Dr. Salam was one of the wrongfully convicted teenagers in the Central Park Five case and has been a forceful critic of solitary confinement. After spending nearly seven years in prison, he has said his experience in solitary stuck with him and felt it was torture. He said in an interview, quote, you can hear people crying out, you can hear people in pain, people going through a mental breakdown. It's one of the most horrific things to experience. City officials assert that solitary confinement is not used in city jails, but a recent report by Columbia University Center for Justice illustrates how the city deploys the tactic using different names. Aha. For example, current rules allow for violent detainees to be placed in punitive segregation in a restrictive housing area where people are locked in their cells for up to 23 hours a day. Jail officials have also held detainees alone for long periods in so-called shower cages, small cell that is used to rinse detainees off after they've been hit with pepper spray, but is also used to isolate detainees in a slightly bigger cell with a desk and during emergency lockdowns. A new law bans shower cages and requires that all detainees in any housing area be given 14 hours each day outside a cell. New York officials, not alone in their efforts, Democrats in Congress introduced a bill this year to ban solitary confinement nationwide. California lawmakers approved a bill last year to limit the practice, but it was vetoed by Governor Gavin Newsom. Officials in the Pittsburgh and Chicago areas have also put restrictions in place. Correction Officers Benevolent Association, led by President Benny Basquiat Jr. have vigorously fought the bill, drawing attention to persistent violence at the troubled Rikers Island jail complex, including 6,500 assaults of guards over the last three years. Union created a website featuring photos of injured guards and targeting the bill's lead sponsor, Humane Williams, the city's public advocate, urging New Yorkers, <laughs> urging New Yorkers to call his office to stop this bill. The ad campaign was also utilized as a truck billboard outside City Hall this week, which suggested the ban would lead to more violence in jails. City Council Speaker Adrian Adams pledged during a Wednesday news conference to override a veto and said, change was hard, but necessary. Now the jail at Rikers Island is a major crossroads, it is. It's at one, federal officials have sought to strip the Adams administration of control over it in response to persistent violence and chaos. Mr. Adams recently named a new head of city jails to work with the federal monitor overseeing the system to avoid a federal takeover. Over the last decade, several people who were placed in solitary confinement at Rikers have died. Again, the reporting, the details. I'm in the New York Times. Uh, Ravana, I think it's rich that the police association talks about all the injured guards. I don't want people who are just showing up to work being injured. But we've heard for decades now about the conditions at Rikers Island. Can we also see the prisoners who have largely gone unheard? Can we chronicle some lawsuits? Prisoners who were violently attacked and accused law enforcement? Guards, and by the way, when you use the word cages, even put the word shower in front of it, and hosing human beings off, 
Which came first, okay? Chicken or the egg? This place is an abomination and it seems successful for civil rights and human rights violations. I'll give you the floor. Yeah, I'm glad we're covering the story. And it, it is an important vote, although, of course, Mayor Eric Adams, who, in my opinion, is a clown, um, but first and foremost is a cop, if would not support it and was uh, has vowed to veto it. Um, that he, as well as the um, the associations of correction officers, police officers, stand in opposition to this type of change. Because we have irrefutable evidence that the use of this does not make jails safer. It does not make inmates less violent. All it does is psychologically torture the individuals subjected to this disgusting, inhumane treatment. They're treated worse than animals in these prisons. These are human beings who are dehumanized on every level inside these prisons, treated like dirt. And there's evidence to suggest that it actually increases instance of violent behavior Mm -hmm. the longer someone is tortured inside of uh, this type of isolation. And it stands in the face of the fact that we have decades upon decades of research that shows this. There is a science behind this. It has been studied. We know that it doesn't work for its intended purposes. It doesn't make anyone safer. It doesn't lower chances of individuals once they're released reoffending and returning, recidivism, returning to prison. We know that it psychologically tortures them. It even being in solitary confinement one time changes the chemistry of their brain. We know all this, and yet it is an uphill battle to change the conditions for these prisoners because so often people will hear these stories and they too dehumanize the individuals who are incarcerated. They don't see them as people or they think, well, they deserve this. But it doesn't yeah. make anybody safe. It doesn't rehabilitate them, which is the purpose that, you know, if we are going to have prisons, they should be serving. Doesn't it doesn't keep the public safe, it doesn't keep the prison safe. It sure as hell doesn't keep the guards safe. Huh? So that entire argument is based on nothing when the opposing argument is based on decades of thorough research. It is absurd that we're still even having to have this conversation. It's absurd that this practice is still used, and it's absurd that they try to hide their usage of it by calling it by a different name. It's just ridiculous. You wouldn't represent me if I was in uniform, and this is what you were saying. 6,500 assaults, you're right. It's like people are so entrenched, they can't think that there might be another option, a better way. I interviewed Eric Adams when he was candidate Adams, and I led with people are concerned because of your history with law enforcement. They're concerned that you don't get it. He pointed to an incident where he was abused by law enforcement and said, there's going to be changes. I don't hear changes. I hear a man who's entrenched in his view and blue. We'll move on. An ex-Detroit officer charged in a fatal punch of a 71-year-old. 
per NBC News, 29-year-old Detroit police officer Juwan Marquise Alexander Brown on the left, allegedly struck 71-year-old Daryl Vance on the right while responding to a 911 call September 1st, causing him to fall and hit his head on the pavement. Vance died weeks later and now Brown has been charged with manslaughter, faces 15 years in prison if convicted. Prosecutor said in a news release, the incident occurred September 1 in front of a bowling alley in the 4100 block of Woodward Avenue in Detroit after officers were dispatched on a call about Vance's disorderly behavior alleged. Brown allegedly got into a verbal confrontation with Vance and punched him in the face, causing Vance to fall and hit his head on the pavement, officials said. Vance was transported to a hospital where he remained until he was pronounced dead on September 21st, about three weeks later. Autopsy determined he died of blunt force trauma to his head from the punch. Prosecutors said, NBC News with the report. Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy said, evidence in the case shows that the officer allegedly was the aggressor, adding his actions went criminally beyond what was necessary in this situation. This behavior cannot be tolerated from our law enforcement. Detroit Police Department told NBC News that Brown was terminated as a result of his actions on September 1. However, Mr. Brown is exercising his contractual right to appeal the termination decision during the pendency of an appeal if sought. Mr. Brown will remain off DPD payroll, will not possess any law enforcement authority, the department said. Okay, Ravana. So obviously they felt there was evidence in this case to fire the officer. He's terminated and bring him up on serious charges. It's a form of murder. He's up on this manslaughter charge. What do you see here, both from from the prosecutor who made the ultimate decision here, um, the police force, just what are you seeing? Does this represent real change or is this just isolated? Uh, It's, I would, I would be reticent to say that this is a, you know, meaningful change. I think it's a good instance of actually applying the law to police officers. It's good to see that he was terminated because so often police departments attempt to protect their officers, but this was a pretty egregious instance where, you know, it would be difficult for the police department to try to cover this up and there would be a lot of public outcry if this type of Uh, crime was not prosecuted. I mean, they said that he was the initial aggressor. Uh, And we talk about when it comes to law enforcement, uh, less lethal uh, versus lethal force, but really any force can become lethal. Now, we don't necessarily think of being punched as something that's going to cause somebody to die, but it happens and it happens all the time. A simple push and a fall to the ground and hitting the back of your head on the ground can kill a person. And if you intended to commit that crime against them, there's a a, a doctrine in law called the eggshell skull theory. It doesn't matter if you didn't expect your actions to have that intended consequence. It doesn't matter the fragility of the person you committed a crime against if you caused that injury with your uh, the crime you committed against them, you will be liable for the injury that you caused. Now, that's uh, typically applied in civil cases, but I think it's applicable here uh, just to explain that you people watching might think, well, usually you punch someone, doesn't kill them, but it doesn't really matter because that's what happened in this case. He killed him whether he intended to or not. What we do know is he intended to punch him, yeah. and that punch resulted in this person's life being stolen from him. 
and being stolen from his loved ones, friends, and family, and they need to be held accountable. I'm happy to see a police officer being yeah. held accountable. We need to see this type of, and we'll have to see how the prosecution plays out. Um, but we need to see this type of accountability to all police officers who mm -hmm. act wrongfully, commit crimes against the people they're supposed to serve and protect. Somebody shouldn't end up dead after disorderly conduct call. Prosecutor says the officer was the aggressor. Hopefully, other officers will see this and understand you are not judge, jury, executioner. You're there to protect and serve. Perhaps someone who is acting out in a disorderly fashion or under the influence. Well, I don't know what the full details are here, but perhaps this can be a cautionary tale to those who see themselves as the supreme dolers out, if you will, lack of eloquence um, of the law, street justice. Much more indisputable when we come right back. We don't want to cast aspersions on all fertility doctors, but why does this seem to happen and make the headlines again and again? Fertility doctor impregnated patient with his own sample. I mean, come on. Dr. Merle Berger, retired fertility doctor from Boston, is being sued by a mother who alleges he used his own sperm to impregnate her more than 40 years ago. Berger helped to found Boston IVF, one of the nation's first fertility clinics. Worked there for more than 30 years until he retired in 2020. Sarah Depoian, you'll see her coming up here. She said, there she is on the right. She and her husband went to Berger in 1980 for help having a child. And according to her lawsuit, Depoian contends Berger said the sperm would come from an anonymous, a medical resident who resembled her husband, who did not know her and whom she did not know. Poian's daughter, Carolyn Bester, on the right, uh, recently used a home genealogy kit, which linked her to two of Berger's relatives from that lawsuit states. They determined Berger had used his own sperm to impregnate Depoian and his Bester's biological father. See, we never dreamt he would abuse this position of trust and perpetrate this extreme violation. I am struggling to process it, but this. Never ever will change the love we have for our daughter, Carolyn, Boeing said. Bester said she wanted her mother to pursue this case in part because she now has a child of her own, a five-year-old son, WCVB, ABC affiliate five with the reporting. Berger's legal team issued this statement denying the allegations. Dr. Merle Berger was a pioneer in the medical fertility field who in 50 years of practice, Help thousands of families fulfill their dreams of having a child. He is widely known for his sensitivity to the emotional anguish of the women who came to him for help conceiving. Allegations concern events from over 40 years ago in the early days of artificial insemination. At a time before sperm banks and IVF, it was dramatically different from modern day fertility treatment. Allegations which have changed repeatedly in the six months since the plaintiff's attorney first contacted Dr. Berger have no legal or factual merit and will be disproven in court. Yeah, and that's the legal team. They have a statement from Dr. Merle Berger's legal team. Boston IVF issued the following statement to News Center 5 after their Wednesday report aired. We recently learned that Dr. Merle Berger was named in a lawsuit. This matter occurred more than 40 years ago, which was prior to Dr. Berger's employment at Boston IVF and 
In fact, before our company existed, we wish to highlight that the field of reproductive endocrinology and infertility is much different than it was decades ago. And the safety measures and safeguards currently in place would make such allegations virtually impossible nowadays. Patients should be assured that our field continues to uphold the most rigorous ethical and medical standards. Well, if you say so, okay. Everyone keeps mentioning Rivana. Well, this is a long time ago, long time ago, long time ago. Uh, yes, there are advancements in, in medical science, biology, the study of it, fertility, helping people. It's a wonderful gift to people who perhaps would have no other option. But if this allegation is true, I don't know why you're talking about, well, this happened a long time ago when you know it was just in the infancy, this fertility stuff. Why are you talking about that? I don't believe for a second this woman and her husband went in and said, uh, yeah, good hair and maybe the right height and well, nice eyes. And could you, uh, could you swim this way? I don't think they did that. I think it's important to point out the fact that in the statement from the legal team of the doctor and from the statement um, from the clinic he works at, neither denied that he did it. Neither, I mean, not in the words that that he did not use his sperm to inseminate this woman. Neither statement was willing to say that. I think that tells us a lot. Essentially, the defense they're saying is um, it was a long time ago and that was fine. Things were different. It was okay to violate women then. It was okay to, and let's be clear, you know, this is just me speculating, but if he did this to this woman, she is certainly not the only person who he has done this to. She's just maybe the first person to realize that he did this to her, you know, allegedly, but still. And it is, you know, and we were saying in the break that this just leaves a big question mark of why would you do this? And the only thing I can conclude is you do this because it makes you feel powerful. You are, uh, you know, using your own sperm to inseminate these women and and you know that you're doing this to them they don't know that it's happening to them yeah. you know you're taking advantage of them and it makes you feel powerful it makes you feel strong and the idea that that it was okay 40 years ago even if you want to say well this happened before he worked here wouldn't that give you some pause about the ethical nature mm-hmm. of this individual who you continue mm-hmm. to employ i mean yeah. it's despicable yeah and I'm glad that they have a strong bond, mother, daughter, father, family. But I want, this is the American way. I'm them, you can go ahead and give me support, okay? Through the age of 18 and then college or whatever else. Since you wanna make babies and do this fertility assault is, is what it really sounds like here. Who are you to impregnate me against my will? I said I wanted a baby. I didn't say I wanted your baby, okay? It's about ego, it seems, and it's disgusting. We'll see how it plays out. Um, this is a reality show that's um, been quite successful on Bravo. It's about doctors and the spouses of doctors. You know her as Dr. Jackie. She's the one that, unlike pretty much the rest of the cast, she doesn't argue with anyone. She doesn't fight. She doesn't, you know, snatch her wig off. She's uh Stand up lady, okay, she's seen as the reasonable one. Married to medicine, doctor says black women cry wolf. Could Dr. Jackie have really said this? Apparently, her page six reality star Jacqueline 
Jackie Walters, Dr. Walters has come under fire after a resurfaced clip of her saying black women cry wolf about their pregnancy pains. Dr. Jackie is now saying her statement was misconstrued. However, she didn't apologize when recently addressing the clip. For anyone unfamiliar, Dr. Jackie is one of the longest running stars of that show. She's been with the show all 10 seasons. So really it makes her one of the longest running stars in Bravo history. Been part of that main cast since 2013. Here's the clip. Sometimes as African-American women, we're a bit more dramatic. And that you go to the doctor and you complain and you complain and you complain. And you're not taken serious because you cried wolf the entire pregnancy. That ain't me, boo. I don't know what you're talking about, but go ahead. I didn't say you. I just said as as African-American women, we want to also make sure you're being serious with your doctor and not playing the game so I can take you off work. Because then we see you 25 times in the pregnancy. It's hard to believe that there's a true problem when there's a true problem. I like Dr. Jackie and I think she's a talented doctor, but elaborating right there on the initial headline of crying wolf is even worse. It's even worse when you hear it. I worked the last day of my pregnancy like a lot of women with complications. Perhaps not smart, but I don't know why you're casting this aspersion on us. 65-year-old married to Medicine Star wrote on her Instagram stories Thursday, quote, recently a clip from a nearly two-hour video was taken out of context to make it appear that I somehow take lightly what I have advocated for concerning the devastating problem facing the black maternal health crisis. It has been my life's work to highlight and attempt to rectify the issues that devastatingly impact black maternal mothers versus our counterparts. Two things can be true at once. It has worked. In that capacity, she's worked in that capacity. And that was not taken out of context. You said what you said, and perhaps you regret it now, but it's damaging. It's damaging. She knows that. Dr. Jackie, who has been an OBGYN to many celebs, including Real Housewife of Atlanta star Candy Burr, singer Tamar Braxton, wrote that she educates her parents to advocate for their own health. As a physician, I educate my patients every day to be their own best health advocate. As we continue to face medical mistreatment and gaslighting, my intention with the broader conversation was to ensure patients enter their pregnancies armed with information and tools to effectively communicate their needs with their doctors to ensure positive outcome. That's if their doctors are going to believe them when they say something's going on here and I I can't go to work. I I, I need to figure this out with you. They got to be believed. She concluded, the reason I became an OBGYN is because growing up, I saw such a lack of diversity amongst medical professionals and was determined to be part of the change. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, I will continue to fight for the lives of black mothers and babies. Dr. Jackie was slammed this week after the clip of a YouTube live video from April 2020 with her married medicine castmate, Dr. Heavenly, resurfaced online and went viral. In the video, the Queen V author said that sometimes African-American women can be a bit more dramatic when they go to the doctor and complain. The entire pregnancy, page six with the reporting. Fans were shocked by Dr. Jackie's remarks, especially as it is statistically shown that black women do face racial disparities during childbirth. According to the CDC, black women are three times more likely to die from a pregnancy related cause than white women. Multiple factors contribute to these disparities, such as 
variation in quality health care, underlying chronic conditions, structural racism, implicit bias. The health agency said it is a real thing, Ravana. And I'm disappointed. She's a good lady who does work on behalf of particularly black women and, and healthcare. But this is not something to stand on. And I hate the taken out of context. I hate, I don't like the statement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, I don't want to discredit any of the work she's done. She's a great doctor. She has advocated for these issues, which I think is why so many people are taking offense to this statement because they know that, you know, she's better than this and that she's fighting for these issues. And they know that, you know, women are less likely than men to be believed when we talk about our pain, but black women particularly, so much so um, that medical schools are having to redo their training to mm-hmm. better inform doctors uh, on how to uh, try to get this bias out of medicine. Um, so I think that it's going to be important that she puts out a better statement, just disavows what she had said, owns up to it in a more meaningful way, doesn't try to cast it aside as being out of context, and just has a meaningful apology. You know, and then she can fall back on the real work that she's done, and people will, I think, will forgive her. Yeah, don't don't keep this this narrative running. Disassociate. She's she's a brilliant doctor. She really is, Uh, and perhaps she was trying to have an inside conversation, um, but it's a dangerous one. It's not true. I don't believe largely. Black women, no matter their economic status, fall into that category. Disparity when it comes to uh, prenatal care, maternal health. That's just a fact. And so any green lighting of this stereotyping of black women is so dangerous. And I think she knows that. I hope that Dr. Jackie, who again, done great work and been an example for many, will let it marinate and quickly come with something more effective in the statement here. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Ravana, remind people where they can find your great work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, people can follow me uh, at Ravana TTV on Twitter for updates. You can see my videos. Uh, I've got a bunch scheduled for the time that people won't be working uh, over the Christmas break here yeah. this long weekend on Rebel HQ. You can see those on Facebook as well as YouTube. Uh, and everyone can also check me out. I'm hosting the second hour of today's power panel on the main show. We'll be watching. Um, always a pleasure to share uh, this time with you, Ravana. We appreciate you. I think you're brilliant. And uh, hopefully, we'll get to do it again. Mm-hmm. This is Indisputable. Karen Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Thank you, Doc, for letting me fill the chair. And please stay tuned.